So in summary, I mean, these were, these are the CIOs of private banks. Five were in Switzerland and one in Frankfurt. And, and the consensus was pretty clear. They don't see any quick recovery. Uh, but they all uh, were agreed that not just in terms of combating the virus, but also in economic recovery, they all felt Asia is at least a quarter ahead. And the, the, the call they're all waiting on, they're, they're all looking at China and they're all thinking about moving back into China as soon as it's clear to them that, uh, that there isn't going to be a second wave of infection which is a kind of a, a, a decision they expect to make in the next couple of weeks. So, so China was the big, the big sort of winning call that they were all talking about. Also, obviously, technology, um, reliable cash flow streams, those kind of things came through. There was a fear uh, that the U.S. was going to struggle a lot more economically than people had, had already factored in, um, partly because the, the, the speed of response but a lot of them felt that the U.S. had been far too slow to recognize the severity of what's happening um, and that that was going to come home to roost. And they said the one thing they were all avoiding <coughs> was um, US, anything related to the U.S. consumer. And this was before the unemployment figures came out, I think, yesterday. Um, they were saying that that correlation between unemployment numbers and, uh, and the you know, consumer um, consumer and consumption in the States was so, so marked, they really wanted to avoid anything um, so, in that so, area. So, Angus, let's try and turn this into one or two questions. The, the, trans yeah. the transfer from uh, 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 west, east to to west. East. west to east. East to east. Yeah, west yeah. to east, sorry. And uh, uh, fund managers trading on their own. Uh, does anyone want to pick up any of these themes? Lawrence, the east to west bit was interesting because I, uh, doing a series of, calls every day with people from around the world, different teams. And I got the head of our Asia business to talk to the New Yorkers. And that was quite interesting because he'd lived through not only the political realities, but also uh, the, first, the first corona uh, uh, issues. And they were almost back at normality. They, they, they were again out of the office, but they... It was very, very interesting. And for me, the big learning is how slow many of us have been from learning from things happening in other parts of the world that we should have known. And so that's the, the one takeout is really pick up learnings very quickly. And I go back to the 2008 financial crisis. Our money market guy spotted the crisis about a year ahead of it. And very few people took him seriously because he was struggling with frozen bank deposits. So really opening up across boundaries, particularly geographic is a key thing. And therefore this east-west swing, swing is very relevant to us as money managers. Uh, George, you, I think you've got an office in, is it in Shanghai? We do, we do. Um, the office is uh, as of Monday. So uh, four days ago, we were back to uh, fully staffed in the office a hundred percent, a hundred percent back at work. Um, and like Hendrick, um, I had the head of China um, uh, speak to uh, to the firm, um, frankly, so folks could see the other side. So we did a, you know, they've been they've been trying to compare with folks uh, wh where we are in in Shanghai versus um, uh, where we are in Milan is uh, is uh, two important offices for us. As yeah. um, frankly, folks in London and New York and others uh, prepare for. Uh, prepare for what we're all going to go through to, to a understand it's going to get a lot worse, uh, 
before it gets better, but B, it can and will get better. Not that Shanghai is a perfect comparable to New York. It's not in, in a lot of ways, but it's, uh, I, I think, unlike 08, where I think, at least for some of us, there was a, 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 a real question of would the system survive? Here, the, you know, the ability to see your colleague who you know and hear, hey, we're back at work, we're back at restaurants, Here's the mayor of Shanghai in a meeting, not wearing a mask, with others in close proximity. Right there is an end. There is an end to this, um, uh, and so that 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 was that was useful. Uh, Martin, you were uh, you were Aberdeen. You were very very early into Asia. Yeah, I mean, uh, clearly, I, I I agree with the comments. I think Asia will come out of it um, out of it earlier than we will in the in the west and probably with less economic damage because they're uh, speaking to Hugh Young in Singapore uh, the level of testing and the, um, the the suppression they've used far outweighs everything here so um, so they've really worked hard to keep it under control so probably the economic damage in Singapore will be uh, uh, in Asia, generally, will be significantly less than uh, than than here, and you know, if you if you have the virus in Singapore, you're marched off. I mean, they're taking they're taking temperatures everywhere. As soon as you've got a temperature, you're isolated, and they they're keeping it under control that way. Uh, I worry about the economic damage here. This huge economic uh, huge economic damage, and and. It, it will be interesting after the event to see whether the death rate has been higher than, say, the 2014 flu virus in the, the UK. I can't remember the numbers, 25, 30,000 or something. It will be interesting to, to look back and just uh, and, and really analyze the whole situation. Yeah, I mean, this has been a huge enforced uh, uh, in a way, social experiment, which you you could never have got, forcing people to stay home and not travel, and etc. Yeah. Is there anything good you can see that could come out of this, and which which asset managers have a role to play in, in terms of the allocation of you know, and not asset managers, not just as people who deliver excess returns, but also that uh, allocate capital. Do you think yeah, asset I'm... managers have got a a good positive role to play here? This whole crisis wants uh, the dust settled um, and it will take a while. I, I mean, uh, I don't think we should expect those kind of lockdown or shutdown to be uh, necessary uh, in one event. Unfortunately, there's a possibility that uh, in some countries, the virus will come back and maybe uh, societies are gonna have to learn to live with uh, repeated or multiple shutdown as we are progressively you know, building immunity uh, going forward. This being said, I think uh, what's going to happen afterwards is going to be a fundamental rethink of the role of uh, the states and uh, to what extent, uh, you know, the resources of any one country uh, have to be uh, more directed towards the state in order to protect the citizens as opposed to leave it uh, way too open to uh, the participation of uh, individuals in, in each country. And I think that's going to be a very, very big shift, uh, as we've seen in many uh, previous crises, but probably more similar to what we've seen uh, uh, in the middle of the 20th uh, century. So the, 
in some eyes, um, probably a big reflection on the role of the state uh, at protecting its, uh, its citizens uh, compared to what it was before. I was just going to say, when you asked about allocation of capital, uh, there is going to be a massive recapitalization of uh, listed companies required after the uh, after this um, th this all blows through. So, yeah, fund managers will have a big job now, and it may redress this public-private uh, um, balance between uh, all the money going into private. It may come back a bit towards uh, public markets now that they're significantly cheaper than they were compared even probably compared to private markets so yeah fund managers will have a huge role to play going forward saka uh, i just want to go to the previous point just uh, before martin that i think it's too early to tell but it seems that the biggest thing to come out of this is um the small state model which is essentially the basis of regonomics uh, is on the way out. And what you have is an acceptance of a huge amount of interference from the states uh, in our daily lives, even with, and this sounds nasty, and it's not meant to be, even if the level of damage actually, relatively speaking, is under previous generations absorbable. And the second thing is that the state is allowed to do things, even a, a right-leaning state such as ours, or indeed the one in, in, in the United States, which under different circumstances would have been called slightly left-leaning socialist policies. There's a massive shift in, in the way that the state is perceived. And, and I wonder if that is the real effect of this in the long term, whatever happens to herd immunity and so on, that Reaganomics finishes the day and we come to something else. In my mind, uh, sitting in the States, this is, I think it's gonna reveal competence and incompetence uh, more than it will reveal uh, uh, and change uh, uh, left or right. And we see, we see lots of examples of both uh, in the way our own country is dealing with it. <laughs> Nico. I think just to echo the, the role of the state, obviously, you know, uh, um, witnessing this from the US and the challenges we face both from economic and a political perspective um, is, is an eye opener. And I think that while Asia is ahead, um, it's unfortunate that the UK is going to go, or the US is going to go through a very, very challenging time. And our biggest concern right now, post liquidity, is just uh, um, credit. I don't think we've seen yet the full force of the credit risk uh, the, and default that's uh, coming our way. It could be more than 40% of US companies. Um, so that really concerns me. And that then would challenge the current social contract. You know that the U.S. government has with its people, you know, um, you know, given the lack of testing, given the lack of support, given the lack of, uh, um, you know, some of the uh, medical facilities. So I think that the U.S. Will, is going to be a fascinating. Um, it's going through a fascinating time dealing with uh, with the coronavirus. It's going to it's going to be uh, challenging. That that's quite a that's quite a bold statement you just made there, Nico. Forty percent of U.K. companies may default. U.S. U.S. Sorry, U.S. Yes, I don't, I don't say they they um, that those are at risk, and I think that's the that's a challenge we deal with right now. In terms of what asset managers could do, I think first and foremost is just for us to weather the storm and be very very close to our clients, um, and uh, um, and protect their assets and you know and navigate them. And it it serves no one if uh, um, if any of us. Uh, you know, run into a wall. Um, and, and I think that's important is there's a significant, you know, quest to survive 
And we haven't seen all of these challenges unfold. But I do think Asia is ahead, and I think that the U.S. is, is certainly lagging. Can, can I ask, are you focused on yourselves and your own firms and, uh, and making sure they're okay? Or is there already a degree of collaboration going on between you? Lawrence, I think integrity of markets is an important thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Just in some of the smaller markets where we're involved, we had to talk to authorities to, to make sure they, they work. And that means central banks need to, you know, need to get into the act and, of course, fiscal authorities. But I think the integrity of market in the UK, we've had, a, through the IA, a, a substantial engagement with the authorities and, and there was a, a movement, a small, a minor movement trying to close markets out and not keep them open. And actually, you know, markets have to stay open and they have to operate. And I think one of the roles I think played is we were happy to take the price volatility. The next area where we have to be seriously involved is in traded credit and credit markets to make sure that order prevails, that no uh, uh, you know, that no irresponsible behavior wrecks those markets because they can be so important to recapitalize companies, as Martin said, not just on the equity side, but particularly on the debt side, uh, once they start operating again. Yeah, I, I'd like to add to this that uh, on our side, uh, of course, as I said before, our priorities has been uh, the health of our colleagues, and the continuity of service we offer to our clients, the communication to our clients, and, uh, and the preservation of capital, and uh, going forward, the generation of, uh, of uh, investment performances. But, but there's no question that uh, as, as a very, very large market participant, uh, we've been in close contact with the various uh, regulators, authorities, and central banks to make sure that we participate to uh, the design of uh, whatever measures we had to take to ensure the good liquidity of markets, which in itself would ensure the good liquidity of our funds uh, and the good functioning of uh, our fund management industry, which is something which I guess is everybody's mind. Uh, and uh, at BP Paribas Immersion, you know, it's been a long time we've been preparing for this, uh, the good tools when it comes to liquidity management. I think on our side, we didn't foresee any, we don't see any problem for the time being. We've seen some uh, fund gatings, but very small funds uh, in the industry. We've seen some, you know, uh, money market funds having problems here and there, but not not a lot of problems so far. And I think this constitutes so far, touching wood, if I may say so, one of the big difference between this crisis and, and the one, which is the two last one we, we, we've seen before. Uh, thanks to good corporations between market participants, investment banks, uh, uh, asset management, asset management companies, and uh, policymakers, if there is good news is that, uh, you know, so far markets, except uh, some of them are liquid, but the fund management staff is working reasonably okay. Uh, so I'd agree, I completely agree with what Fred and Hendrik said around the wholesale capital market side of this, and we have to keep markets functioning. You asked a question about the role of asset management in all of this. Um, Correct. One of the observations I think I would say is at the moment, this feels like a personal sort of physical health crisis. It's around the virus. It's around health. Um, I, I actually think that the financial health of clients and citizens generally will probably be deeper and more widespread than the physical health impacts of this crisis. Um, whether we look at job security, the structure yeah. of the job market, the impact on wages, the unemployment rate, I think that's going to be yeah. frankly far larger than the people who are um, 
materially negatively impacted in terms of their physical health. And I think the role, I think the importance of financial health going forward is going to become a lot more obvious, whether that be workforce protection, whether that be labor market restructuring. But I also think the asset management uh, industry is going to have a massive role to play in, in making sure that we get better at providing for uh, financial shocks and financial wellness. So uh, I think this ultimately brings us more center stage. I think with that comes opportunity, but with that will also come scrutiny that we better get ready for. Uh, I, I, I think that's, that's right. And I think particularly for active fund management, but the question is, can we get down to some specifics, Robert or anybody else in this group as to what role the asset management industry can play in improving the financial health or safeguarding the financial health of, of its clients and um, and its clients' clients, the individuals, ultimately. Lawrence, I, I agree with the point about financial well-being. I also wonder whether um, the virus itself, though, reminds us that as humans, we're pretty fragile. And so is that going to be a further driver around maybe a rebalancing of focus between financial returns and non-financial returns? That's interesting. Just, just f further weight and sort of social importance around ESG and, and the non-pure financial returns. So whether that's about future product shelf uh, and client demand in that respect. I think that's a really interesting point, the whole issue of whether this, is, we all recognize the human cost, but will this be a fillip to uh, real socially responsible investing by active fund managers? I do think it will. We actually had this discussion just last night, I, and I don't know if this is true for others, is we look at, our strategies, which are ESG sustainable or impact, they each have uh, have performed particularly well. Also, frankly, during this process, so we, you know, you have clients uh, now today uh, sitting by themselves, uh, locked in a room, thinking more about the greater good, uh, perhaps, than they have historically, um, and that coincides uh, with a period where uh, ESG has has delivered. Um, for 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 clients, um, and certainly there's not been a tax. It's been the it's been the the opposite. So I think for many of you as as CEOs of important European institutions, you sort of get it. Uh, we in the states were laggards, uh, and I'd, uh, I'd I'd like to think this will be uh, be transformational, and that we're going to see step orders, magnitudes of change in terms of clients embracing um, ESG for for all of those reasons. Uh, in the in the months and uh, quarters ahead, and you and I have talked already, George, about how active manager has a management has a big role to play in that. We sent out a note to our troops last night, um, talking about the dialogue that we're having with corporates in going through very specific examples of where we're encouraging companies to take care of your workers, think broadly. Uh, uh, about um, uh, about protecting um, their their healthcare options, including folks, including folks who you might not have historically. We as an investor want to see you doing the right things. Uh, the thing that resonated most with our troops was when we we let them know not only were there not going to be any layoffs at our firm, we went to the folks who operate our cafeteria and we made sure they were all going to get paid um, by that period, and that we we as a firm are paying directly. Uh, uh, you know the restaurant associates compensation, and so I, I think uh, I think markets are going to reward that over time. Clients are going to demand it, um, and I think this is a this is a you know th this change while it is is 
horrible at a human level, good things will come out of it um, socially and culturally uh, on the on the other side. And I think we, we all have an opportunity to, to be part of that and to play our role in, in helping those good things to happen. And that this is an excellent a time for us as asset managers to live what we preach the companies about. We have to look at the temporary work workers of our service suppliers. We have to make sure that those contracts are clear, that those people do not lose their jobs in this time um, because we can't go and tell companies to behave in a particular way on behalf of pensioners if we don't do it ourselves. And I think George articulated it beautifully. Uh, we're all obligated at this point as an industry which isn't balance sheet heavy, which isn't constrained by credit markets. We have to live up to our promises and we can and actually then set an example for the companies we're invested in. I completely agree with uh, everything which has just been said. Uh, on our side, our focus on uh, sustainable investing and ESG, if anything, has been reinforced by this crisis. We've seen, uh, like you guys said, the performance of those type of funds being better than the rest. We're in a process of implementing that to all our strategies and all our funds. I'd like to add, uh, and of course, we we need to behave responsibly as we would expect from the companies we're investing into. This being said, um, I'd like to leave you with another thought. Um, you know, if you, if you look at the uh, economic damage policymakers have decided to inflict on uh, society and uh, economies at large in face of a clear and present danger, don't you think this could be also a blueprint for them to, at last, take some risk on economic damage in face of a much greater danger, much more remote in time, but nevertheless as dangerous to humankind, also known as climate change? So I think this crisis could also make policymakers think about uh, and push them to decide on the necessary adjustment they're gonna to have to force or decide upon some sectors of the economy in order to adapt to climate change. Uh, Saka, you've been preaching this for a long time. Well, I'm sitting here and I'm very pleased that everybody recognizes that TSG kind of outperforms in, in, in uh, this period. And also the key point that the economy is not just about numbers and money, it's about well-being and much bigger one. The last point about, about global warming is quite interesting, which is I follow, as you'd expect me to, pollution levels. Uh, <laughs> and it's remarkable how quickly we've brought it down in cities such as London and, and elsewhere. And it just shows that, in fact, we can heal, if you like, the damage that's done uh, by excess production of carbon monoxide and, and, and other global warming actors, if we want to. So as, as we just said, it's, it, it shows it. If, if we want to, this is doable. And, and if anything it comes out of this is a sense of, of optimism that it shows we can change course if we decide we have the will to do so. I'm sounding Hegelian slightly. Mm -hmm.